You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1128 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities, so start now at shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show will break down what became a 114-111 win on the road for the Hawks in Indiana over the Pacers. A nice victory for the Hawks in this spot, escaping with a win and uh, a lot to get to, but the Hawks are now 8-1 in the last nine games and now 3-0 and on the road in their last three starts after a uh, pretty rough beginning of the season on the road. You know, banking three wins on the road is very, very nice at this stage of the season. And honestly, they shot the heck out of the ball in the first half of this game. That kind of carried them for large stretches of this contest. They gave the lead away. Uh, the lead that they built the first half late in the third quarter into the fourth. And then they were kind of in control down the stretch until the final minute or so. And then it got away from them a little bit down the stretch. But the Hawks were able to hold on and get out of there with a victory. Uh, coming into the day, the big story actually was uh, on the coaching staff with Jamel McMillan, the son of Nate and assistant coach for the Hawks. Uh, he actually was placed in the COVID-19 protocols by the NBA. And uh, out, of, out of caution, McMillan, who, by the way, tested uh, negative for COVID, um, chose to isolate until he returns a series of negative tests. And uh, per Sarah Spencer of the AJC, he actually had a negative rapid test, but um, Obviously, he probably spent some time with Jamel over the holidays, etc., and uh, probably just being cautious there. So Chris Gent coached this game for the Hawks on the sideline. He was pretty open with the fact that he talked to Nate about game plan stuff beforehand. I'm sure he was part of the process throughout, um, but uh, it was Gent on the bench and talking to the media, etc., in this game. Um, other than that, the Hawks had the three-day break in between games. So they were well-rested, um, still on the road against a decent opponent, though, in Indiana. Um, Ken Reddish was questionable coming into the day, which I would describe as a very, very positive development, as I talked about on yesterday's podcast. And by the way, if you missed anything for the last two days, I had a solo podcast two days ago with some mailbag questions, some uh, big-picture stuff that's definitely still uh, relevant on the podcast, as well as yesterday with Ben Ladner, friend of the pod, who came on for about 45 minutes. We talked a lot about different things, but that's still relevant as well. So please subscribe catch up on all that stuff. But I mentioned that uh, last night that Reddish was going to be questionable given a decision in this game. Gent then ruled him out before the game started. Um, not a huge surprise to me that he wouldn't play, but I would say it was still encouraging that he was even close to playing in this game. Gent said that he, uh, on Tuesday morning, uh, sorry, Wednesday morning, they uh, tested it a little bit. The wrist, as Cam tries to get back on the floor, wasn't quite feeling just up to playing and didn't change throughout, throughout the day, so they ended up holding him out. So, Unsurprisingly, the Hawks were without four players. Um, you know, th- three of their top four wings plus a Kongwu in this game. They actually only had 11 guys dressed because they had the uh, College Park guys as well. Joe Johnson and Shreve Cooper are still with the G League team, so they had 11 guys available. Uh, only played nine of them in this game, but uh, not exactly the deepest night for the Hawks at the office. Patriots were, were without T.J. Warren, who's missed the entire season so far, as well as Justin Holiday. Miles Turner was questionable, didn't play great, but ended up playing for Indiana in this game. And actually, this is the first time the Hawks have been an underdog in a game at tip-off, according to our friends at Bound AG, in almost three weeks. They were underdogs in Denver on November 12th, and ever since then they've been at least slight favorites in every game by tip-off, except for tonight they were two-point underdogs at the start of this game, presumably because of the injuries and being on the road. And, uh, you know, coming in, 
coming in, I would say the same thing, but even going out, the Hawks and Pacers were a coin flip-ish in this game. I think the Hawks were the better team. They had kind of an unfriendly whistle throughout this contest, I will say, but um, the Hawks did not dominate the game by any means, and we'll get into that now, but uh, just worth at least setting the stage a little bit uh, in this in this contest. So going in, there was some debate about what the Hawks would do to start with in place of both Bogdanovich and Reddish on the wing, and they ended up starting TLC, Timothy Lolo Cabarro in this game. Um, I was not sure that was what they were going to do. It was not, also not a huge surprise that they did that. Obviously, he's more of a plug-and-play option on the wing. He actually made a, he actually made a three uh, immediately, uh, first trip of the game, uh, in his first Hawks start. Nice pass by Capella in that instance, but I thought TLC will get into him later on, but I think he played, played well defensively, didn't like like the world on fire by any means, but kind of just did his job in this game. Um, the Hawks actually scored very, very well at the outset, as I sort of teased earlier. They were really, really firing away and shooting the heck out of the ball in the first half. Um, they opened 9-13 from the floor and 4-5 from 3. They had 23 points in 6.5 minutes at the outset, and they led by only one point because the Pacers were scoring at will in their own right. Rotationally, it was not out of the ordinary, but worth noting a couple things here. They actually brought Gallinari in place of Collins pretty early, kind of in that Trey Young early rest slot. Except with Collins, it was getting him out and then back in to anchor the second unit at center. There's not a whole lot of Capella plus bench in this game. It's basically all Capella, all Collins plus bench in this contest. Um, they went to DeLon Wright as the first perimeter sub, playing with Trey Young. And that hasn't happened much this season. In fact, they played three minutes together all year before tonight. And I think I sort of speculated on, on the show yesterday that they could use DeLon as a wing because he is wing size. And that kind of is what happened in this game. They kind of played Lou at back at point guard and had uh, DeLon almost be a wing in this contest. Um, elsewhere in the rotation, they played Solomon Hill late in, the, late in the first quarter and sometime in the second half as well when her needed to sit. Then they played Lou off the bench and... At one point, I will say this is more of a selfish thing, but at one point in the first quarter of this game, there were three players from Gwinnett County on the floor together at the same time, and I am from Gwinnett County. So Lou Williams, Jeremy Lamb, and Malcolm Brogdon, all from Gwinnett, shots to Gwinnett County. At any rate, uh, the Pacers kind of bounced back a little bit, had a 7-2 run of their own to prompt a timeout from the Hawks, uh, but then the Hawks answered that in a hurry with a 10-0 run of their own to go by six points. Threes from Trey Young and Kevin Herter, and then four points in a row from DeLon Wright, which was good to see. Herter was actually red hot. He made his first five shots, had 12 points in the first quarter, and then Lou had a three at the buzzer of the first period to go up 38-29. The Hawks had their highest scoring first quarter of the season with 38 points, 64% shooting, and 7 of 8 from three in the first quarter, just some outrageous shooting, uh, unsustainably so, but still made a bunch of shots. Um, and uh, defensively, actually was not very good uh, for large portions of this game, but they were able to hold off because of the offense, and they scored enough to get the win. Um, in the second quarter, it was, uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier, it was Collins plus bench for a large portion of the second quarter. They actually uh, had DeLon Wright had a season high in scoring early in the second quarter as well. They lost the first four minutes, though, without Trey Young and Kevin Hur on the floor by eight points. They got pretty much walloped in that section of the game in that first four minutes of the second quarter. The offense didn't play quite as well, and they had some pretty shaky point-of-attack defense as well. Pacers tied the game with six minutes to go in the first half. Um, Collins was really doing his job on the back end, had three blocks, actually. Um, but it was better with the starters on the floor, but the bench was uh, not particularly good, we'll say, on the whole. Um, they sat TLC for a long time, brought him back in later on in the first half. Uh, there was a great behind-the-back pass fake by Trey Young to find Capella for a lob dunk at one point. He was cooking in a big way, and the Hawks closed in a 12-4 run in the first half, um, punctuated by the, by a, tra- a trademark Young to Collins lob dunk with a uh, pretty, pretty much at the buzzer of the first half to go up by eight into the halftime break. They actually had a season high in shooting and three-point shooting in the first half, 59.5% from the floor, 
67% from three at 10 of 15. So they just shot the ball incredibly well. A 130 offensive rating before halftime. They actually went the entire first half without an offensive rebound, which is a little bit strange. And that's kind of the only reason why they quote unquote only had a 1.3 points per possession mark because they shot the ball even better than that. They just couldn't have much else on the periphery. Um, 15 points each from Young and Herter and eight for Trey in terms of assists. In fact, he got his 2000th career assist in this game. And it happened in 226 games for Trey. Uh, he's the sixth fastest player in NBA history to have 2,000 assists in their career behind only Oscar Robertson, Kevin Johnson, Chris Paul, Tim Hardaway Sr., and Mark Jackson. So pretty elite company there in terms of assists and passing and all that stuff. And Trey's been so good this year on the whole. Uh, Lou Williams, 11 points off the bench in the first half as well. I will say, defensively, it was not very good before halftime or really the entire game. Uh, the Pacers didn't even shoot that well from three, but they were dominant from two, and they won the glass and turned the ball over less than the Hawks did before halftime. They won 16 offensive rating despite some poor three-point shooting, which kind of tells you how ugly it actually was. But still, the Hawks were in good position because they were up by eight at the half despite not playing very good defense, and it was better after halftime. But offensively, they cooled off, and uh, we'll get into that in a second. But before we get to the second half and some takeaways in this game, as well as some observations about each and every player that participated for the Hawks, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Shopify. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses so that upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out at a pretty low level. Now it's at a much higher level, and we're not going to stop there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 businesses from first scale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and much more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of your conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day, and Shopify also instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has thousands of integrations with third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success, and do it all in one place. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba right now. That's shopify.com slash lockedonmba. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so broadly speaking, the Hawks did lose the second half of this game. They had a cushion that they kind of uh, let evaporate. 
Um, there was some positives, though, in the third quarter. John Collins had four blocks in the early going of the third. Uh, TLC had a great cut that was found by Trey Young for a nice um, sweeping basket to the rim. And the passing for Trey is still obscene, basically. Uh, defensively, they were better in terms of on-ball pressure in the third quarter. They played sort of higher out on the floor against ball handlers, and results followed. They allowed f- five points in the first four and a half minutes or so and forced some turnovers for the first time in the game, uh, so definitely a little bit better there. The offense, though, did not keep up its pace from the early going. There was one possession in which Trey Young um, was facing an ice-cold Keelan Martin who did not play in the first half, and uh, he kind of embarrassed him with some isolation play uh, in sort of memorable fashion. He was asked about that after the game as well, but uh, was uh, he cooked him a little bit in that spot. The Hawks actually led, led by 12 points in the third period of this game, and then right as soon as they got to that 12-point lead, it kind of crumbled for a while for Atlanta. In fact, it was a 19-4 to run by the Pacers in about four minutes to go from down 12 to up three. And uh, there's a technical foul on there on Chris Gent on, on the bench. The Hawks finally called timeout. They actually missed five shots and had a turnover in that spurt. Gallinari was over for three. Uh, Trey was struggling a little bit at that point in time as well. And I thought the Hawks got a pretty un- unfriendly whistle in the entire game, especially in that stretch, kind of letting things snowball a little bit as well. Um, from there, Gallinari, who had been really struggling, found it finally at a good time for the Hawks to, and probably was a big reason why they were able to get back in the game because he made back-to-back threes and then he made one later on, actually made three in a row basically overall um, in this little stretch. But the Hawks being down by one at the end of the third quarter was not exactly the most favorable thing because they were up by 12, but they did not um, have a complete that sort of catastrophe there in the way they probably could have. Uh, Indiana shot 6% in the, fl- in the quarter from the floor. And the Hawks shot the ball okay actually, about six turnovers in the period and missed, for- missed fourth threes in a row at one point. Uh, both teams still scoring at a high level, but offensively it was not as crisp for the Hawks in that third quarter. And in the fourth, it was uh, Bench plus Collins again with better results this time. It was actually an 8-2 to run. Gallinari hitting a three, and then Collins had five straight points on his own. There was a great uh, hustle play from Collins early in the fourth quarter where he got on the ground and then threw a nice outlet pass from his backside, basically, to DeLon Wright for a, uh, a run out and an easy bucket. Um, I was surprised they didn't go back to Trey and her a little bit earlier than they did, uh, but they, well, I would say about a, minute, about a minute later with the eight-minute mark, they went back to Trey and her for the rest of the game, as they probably should have. Um, they sat Collins for a while, probably too long. The theory being that obviously he couldn't play the whole second half because he's anchoring the second, uh, second unit in this game, but they probably rested him probably an extra two minutes more than I would have at that point in time. But, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be interesting to see how sort of how re- uh, retrospectively this rotation goes, in particular when Nate comes back to the bench, um, presumably on Friday. Um, Trey got to the rim and scored five points in a row to give the Hawks a seven-point lead with seven minutes to go. And then the Pacers kind of bounced back. There was a big three by TLC, actually, the biggest shot of his Hawks tenure so far. That's kind of a low bar to clear, <laughs> admittedly. But I think that was a big shot from him. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth down the stretch. The Hawks went cold. They actually had five out of six empty trips on offense. Trey Young went very, very cold. In fact, one of the one of the times the Hawks actually scored was that out of a timeout, they had this broken play where Capella just kind of gathered it at the shot clock buzzer and ended up scoring. And thank God for that. They couldn't score any, any, any other way, basically, in the fourth quarter. Um, Trey missed six shots in a row overall down the stretch. Um, there's a nice herder pull-up to go back up by six, and it was kind of back and forth from there with some missed free throws on both sides. But the Hawks led by three with 123 to go, and Capella got a follow-up dunk after a Trey missed floater. So they go up by five with about a minute left, and they're in a good position there. Um, they Out of a timeout, they go to a defense-first lineup, as they probably should have. They had two, they had two, turnover, uh, sorry, two timeouts remaining, and that allowed them to get, to get Trey off the floor for defense. 
Uh, but what they did was put it Solomon Hill instead of DeLon Wright, and Solo got caught guarding Malcolm Brogdon, and while he has a lot of strengths defensively in terms of his organization and stuff, uh, Solo's not the most fleet of fit guy in the world. You don't really want him guarding a, uh, a point guard, and that was a possession that Jet referenced after the game. That's kind of a breakdown that the Hawks can sort of clean up later on, but that kind of uh, bit them a little bit. Um, they got Trey back in the game after a timeout, and they had a great possession, actually. They Trey was being face-guarded, and they got the ball to Kevin Herter, who ran a pick-and-roll with John Collins in space, got Collins running down, downhill, got fouled, and got a point back on the board. That was a good possession from the Hawks to go up by four with 40 seconds to go. Um, out of a timeout, Jeremy Lamb had a three for the Pacers. That was probably the biggest shot of the game for Indiana to get the lead down from four to one after a Capella block. And then Trey Young had a pretty bad turnover at the top of the key, which I think he acknowledged as the gent. Like, you cannot turn the ball over the way that he did there at the last play of the game. And the Pacers got a run out with Chris Duarte, the rookie lottery pick. Um, I, you know, everyone saw this play. I kind of made fun of it a little bit in a uh, in a laughable way. But uh, Duarte leaves a left-handed kind of scoop finger roll-ish shot short in a fast break. It's about two on two on one and two on one two on one and a half-ish fast break. But uh, he went up very softly, which was not a good play by him overall. You know, part of the fault on that play goes to Duarte for just not finishing strong and not even trying to draw a foul, etc. Um, the other thing is, if you watch the replay closely, you'll see Kevin Herter uh, pretty clearly fouls uh, Chris Duarte, in my opinion. It wasn't it wasn't the uh, top of the contact. It was that he grabbed a fistful of his jersey on the way up. That was for one, and then he kind of maybe didn't get him too much at the top of the key, but uh, sorry, at the top of the uh, release. But Herb was actually asked about it after the game and kind of deadpan his answer. I love that. Uh, I, know, I know Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com posted the video of Kevin post game, but uh, on the Zoom it was pretty amusing in a lot of ways. But um, Herder, I think he probably knew he fouled him, but he was also right to say that he didn't foul him up top because he didn't. It was more of that underneath um, with the body. But I said this on Twitter. Uh, that was a foul in my opinion. It probably should have been called, but at the end of the game, looser whistle. And also I thought the Hawks had a pretty bad whistle in this game overall. So you got to take them when they come. Uh, probably a slight break there for Atlanta down the stretch, up by one when they kind of gave the game, almost gave the game away in that little stretch. To, so no call there. Get the stop. Trey gets fouled, mix both. And then Brogdon nearly buries a 60-footer. Like it drew rim. It was a pretty good-looking shot, but the Hawks end up escaping from there. In terms of the uh, takeaways from this game, a lot to get into for the most part, but offensively, it was interesting. The Hawks shot the ball incredibly well. 51% from the floor and 16 of 33 from three. And they almost lost. Uh, usually when this team shoots like that, they're not going to lose very often or even been close very often. Um, they scored about a 118 offensive rating in this game, which is very good. But that was mostly of the shooting variety. They were well below their normal offensive rebound stats in this game. They were well above their turnover stats, which is actually the worst way, of course. 24 assists is not too bad, but nothing great for how well they shot. And they cooled off in the second half. So on the whole, I'm not going to say that it wasn't. It was a good offensive performance, for sure. 118 offensive rating, you cannot fake that. Indiana's not a great defense, but they're solid enough to where that is a pretty good performance on the whole. But with the way the Hawks shot it, they probably should have been better, better in this game than they were on offense, and they were able to survive it despite the um, shaky defense. So defensively, Indiana had a, about a 113 offensive rating in the game. Um, I thought the Hawks were better after halftime, even though Indiana shot better after halftime. They missed a bunch of open shots in the uh, first half, made a bunch of tougher shots after halftime. Still, though, it's sort of a repeating thing that's been happening this year. The Hawks' defense is not playing particularly well. And in this game, Capella, who I think has been awesome the last couple of weeks, was not good. 
Um, and you, if you if you factor him not being good, and you throw in uh, you know a bunch of Gallinari and a bunch of Lou Williams, it's going to get ugly. And that's what happened in this game on defense in a lot of ways. It wasn't just those wasn't just those guys by any means, but I think on the whole, the Hawks are fortunate with the way they play defense that they weren't able to win this game because they made a bunch of shots and made a bunch of plays at the end of the game. If you look at just the score itself, it's probably misleading. The pace was pretty slow in this game, and both teams still scored in the 110s, which kind of tells you how the defensive uh, flow went in this contest. Um, any rate, the Hawks escaped with the win and did enough to win, and that's kind of all that matters. On the road, against a decent team in Indiana, they're not great, but um, you go on the road win that game, you have to be happy with that, especially as an underdog, to get a win. Is, uh, a win is a win is a win, as I say. Um, all right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Football season continues, and the march to the playoffs is here, and BetOnline has you covered all season long for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. But online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. And you can head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. One more time, that is promo code Locked On to receive that welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag. With basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, in addition to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of this amazing offer and all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And one more time, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, we'll get out of here now on some player observations. And the Hawks played nine guys in this game no Gorgie Jane, no Skylar Mays, who was the uh, 10 and 11th guys on the bench. Solomon Hill played the least 14 minutes, did not score, had an assist, had to rebound. He took two shots, and they were both within like two minutes of each other. I don't know if somebody told him that he had to shoot in the second half, but it was kind of a, kind of amusing. I thought Solo was fine in the first half. I thought he played and did his role in the way that he usually does it. But again, offensively, it's like Stark, what he does to give you. Uh, Lou had a good first half, cooled off from there, but was plus five, had 12 points in 16 minutes. Um, I think he had 11 in the first half, so he was not like great after halftime, but made some plays. And uh, they do kind of only trust him to run the offense in a similar way to what Trey Young does when he's out there. Uh, DeLon Wright had a good first half offensively with nine points, had a season-high 11 points overall, five rebounds, two assists for DeLon. And the Hawks plus one in his minutes. Four six from the floor, one of one from three, two of two from the free throw line, just a well-rounded game for, for Wright. I think he honestly probably should have played more, to be honest with you. Um I do like the look of him and Trey together because that way you don't have to have DeLon create a ton. You can kind of have him play defense and do the things that he does to fill in the gaps. And I think I'd probably still use that a little bit more. I'd probably use that even occasionally, even when Reddish is back because Bogdanovich is still going to be out even when Cam comes back, presumably, in the near future. Um, Elsewhere, uh, not Solomon Hill, Danilo Gallinari was the last guy on the bench. It was a mixed bag. Um, Gallo missed his first five shots, and I would have told you in the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth quarter, that Gallo was a huge, huge, huge minus in this game. Um, I think he still was pretty bad, to be honest with you, but he made three threes in about four minutes at the end of the third and of the fourth, and there were three huge shots, so that does matter. Um, six rebounds, three assists as well, but uh, Gallo has not played well, and I think defensively, particularly with Lou, those two guys are really rough. Like Lou had a couple of just like statuesque performances defensively where he was just in the wrong place and not doing much of anything. Gallo 
has always been a little bit shaky, let's just say, with the Hawks, but I think it's getting worse, not better, and the offense has not carried him enough to make him productive at this point in time. So I'm a little bit worried, as I've said a couple times in the podcast the last couple, maybe a week or two. Um, I'm not panicking, but Gallinari is not showing too many signs other than the threes that he hit finally at the end of the game. Um, to the starters, TLC did his job in this game. He wasn't fantastic, but he had eight points, Three rebounds, had a block. He was active defensively. He, he took he took five threes, which is good. He made two of them. Um, I think it was a pretty good performance from him overall. He's not going to change your life, but as I said before, he's a plug-and-play fourth, fifth wing that can not kill you, and that's what the Hawks can get some value out of right now because of their wing situation. So I like starting him. Um, we'll see if Cam comes back on Friday, but if he doesn't come back on Friday, I would definitely start TLC again. That worked out pretty well, and he kind of knows what he is, and he'll, he'll fill in the gaps. So I think that went pretty well in, in general for the Hawks in this game. Herter was awesome in the first half at 15 points, ended up with 19 on the game, so he cooled off, did have a steal and a block to go along with an assist and four rebounds. It was funny, I, I will credit this to Kevin Schnard of Hawks.com, was right about this. It was a good passing game from Clint Capella, who we'll get into in a second, and it was a bad passing game for Kevin Herter. Uh, Herter had a bunch of weird, ugly passes, had four turnovers, and I think two of those were like kind of just jarringly bad passes. Kind of a weird night for him. He was shooting the ball, shooting the ball extremely well. 8-11 from the floor, 3-4 from three, and uh, did his job here. He's so important right now for the Hawks. Um, he's basically indispensable until at least some of the other wings come back, and he's been playing as their best wing this, year, this whole year, basically. So uh, we'll come back to that, but I think that Herter is uh, very important and also played well in this game. Capella, uh, I mentioned it before, was not very good. His passing was good. Um, that's a nice surprise, four assists from him. In fact, he was second on the team in assists. That's not happened very often in the Capella tenure. Had two blocks, nine rebounds, eight points. Um, I don't want to overstate this because it's not all this, but I, it's notable to me that Capella was minus 15 in a game the Hawks won, and Collins was plus 22. Now, it was not only those two guys. <laughs> they played some together as well, but I thought Capella did struggle on the whole in this game after he's been really good re- recently, and Collins I thought was really good. So I don't want to bury Capella. It's a weird matchup against Indiana and their bigs, but uh, he's got to be better. Uh, a nice test, of course, on Friday, which we'll talk about in a second for him, but I think um, generally he's been pretty good lately, but not so much tonight. Collins... Uh, Still so well-rounded, 14 points on eight shots, uh, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and four block shots, plus 22, three or three from three. Uh, probably just need to, needs to have the ball more. Uh, that's like sort of something I say a lot, but uh, disappointing that he only took eight shots. But aside from that, he was very, very good in this game, and he has been all year. And then Trey Young, 33 points, 10 assists, two steals, eight rebounds, uh, four turnovers, and plus three in 37 minutes. I think even Trey said this after the game and would own this. He was not good down the stretch. I think he, again, missed his last six shots, had that bad turnover. Um, but in the first 40 minutes, he was pretty much awesome. Uh, another 30-10 game from Trey. I believe he leads the NBA in those right now with five or six on the season. He is playing extremely well on offense. He's got it going. And in this game, it was from two. Now, a lot of the times recently, it's been from three. Three, three of ten from three, it's not terrible. Good volume. But um, was ten of 17 on twos. And you'll take that all day long from Trey. Floater game was going. Um, finishing game, pull-ups, etc. And uh, he drove the offense, as he often does. We'll leave it there for now. But the players, um, in general, I think um, guys, more guys were good than bad in this game. I think only Capella and Gallinari were, like, well below their averages. Or at least they're well below their normal baselines. And I think you get you got a lot out of guys like Herter and uh, DeLon Wright, etc. From here, the Hawks will return home on Thursday. They're probably already flying home now as, as I'm recording this. And they will play the Sixers on Friday at San Marino. 
a very interesting matchup in a lot of ways for Philadelphia and Atlanta. The Hawks lost to Philadelphia by 28 points in October. That is their most lopsided loss of the season so far. Um, some some revenge on their minds, I'm sure, in this game. Of course, a rematch of the playoff series from last year. And the Sixers played tonight. They actually lost 88-87 to the Celtics. I did not watch any of that game, but that's a gross box score in uh, 2021. So, not sure what happened there, but Embiid was 3 of 17 from the floor. Uh, he's been out for a while, but uh, the Sixers are actually back to semi-full strength. Still to Ben Simmons, but uh, I assume they'll still have guys um, that have been playing recently, like Tobias Harris and Embiid and Maxi Seth Curry, etc., in that matchup, and a good measuring stick for the Hawks in a little bit on Friday. But they're playing better in recent days. Again, 8-1 in their last 9, 3-0 in their last 3 on the road, and they'll come back to home where they've been really good this year. So... A nice test coming there, but uh, please subscribe to the show. We'll have a full coverage of that game after it is over on Friday evening uh, for your weekend and all that stuff. And then the Hawks about back-to-back on Sunday and Monday, which we'll cover in detail as well. Please, please, please subscribe, everybody. Um, unsubscribe, resubscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your families, acquaintances, all that stuff to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, Odyssey app. Anywhere you find podcasts, we should be there. And also, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you after the game on Friday.